welcome to Everyone's a Critic. I'm Samuel Hunt. I'm Joe Stevens. And welcome back to the ever-popular movie podcast. <laughs> yeah, just us two this week, no guest. Um, so what are we going to be doing this week, Samuel? Um, so coming up in today's show, we have shock new release, uh, The Neon Demon, from mm. Nicholas Winding Refn. Is that... I always struggle to pronounce... Well, I don't struggle to pronounce his name, but I always wonder... Because it's R-E-F-N, so there's nothing between the F... Yeah, Refn. Refn. Sounds like a woof. Um, So, yeah, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Anyway, that's really beside the point. Um, But, yeah, I I saw that this afternoon, actually, so this will be a very immediate reaction. A knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, no, that's... Sometimes those reviews reviews are the best. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. because you usually see films on a Monday, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Before we record... Um, so yeah, we've got that, we've got new block, blockbuster, probably the biggest film out at the moment, Tarzan. Yeah, yeah, no, it's probably the biggest film out. Yeah, um, certainly in terms of budget and scale and market. Yeah, so I saw that, um, on Wednesday, quite late. Yeah, yeah, because most, it's weird, um, you know, doing the show, most new releases, uh, in the UK anyway come out on a Friday, uh, you get the odd one Thursdays and Wednesdays, and Tarzan was on a Wednesday. The reason they do that is to make a really, I don't even make a statement, to make a really big opening weekend. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, the an opening weekend you know, is usually Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm. But if you open from Wednesday, then, you know, you get Wednesday through Sunday as your opening weekend. Oh, um, really? Take home. So if it's then, uh, like, you know, Tarzan tops, blah, 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 it may not top um, the you know, box office top ten or yeah, yeah. You know, be number one. If it was just Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh huh. Okay, that makes sense. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, because Independence Day that opened on Thursday the other day. Yeah. Um. So, so you haven't have you haven't seen anything since the last show? It's been quite a quick turnaround for us, actually. It has. So. Yeah, it's been about ten days. Um. I tell you what, I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the Office Brent on the road. Oh, David Brent on the road. Yeah, yeah David yeah. Brent life on the road. Um. He's got like a song on YouTube now. Really? Uh, yeah, called nice. Lady Gypsy. I fell in love with a oh, Lady Gypsy. Yes. It's really funny. No, I've, I've seen that, yeah. yeah. There's also um, uh, about Slough. Oh, I don't think I've seen that one. Equidistant between London and Reading. Really? You know, <laughs> just where you're heading. <laughs> That's quite good. Slough. Actually. It's my kind of town. Jesus. Um, I mean, I just really hope that he doesn't sort of damage the memory of The Office because you, what was so great about The Office in comparison to so many American sitcoms was that it just stopped exactly the right moment. Yeah, you know, just two series, two perfect series. And the Christmas specials. Of course, yeah. Which kind of wrapped it up really well mm-hmm. and I kind of feel like uh, it wrapped it up so well a part of me knows that Brent Life on the Road is not going to have the poignancy or the the impact that those last episodes of The Office had. But then again... If I if I manage to see it as something disconnected from that original project, mm-hmm. which I think is the right way to see it, because because at the end of the Office Christmas Special, the whole point is he kind of st- stops becoming such an idiot. Yeah, you know, and you, you can't realizing. have David Brent anymore because yeah. he's you know he stands up. Yeah, exactly. Stands up to Finch, and yeah. and so now this almost seems like going back on it. So I'm just going to try and when I do watch David Brent Life on the Road, I'm going to try and separate that you know has another experience to to the office mm. as a separate experience um you know and hopefully that'll work yeah in, in my mind it's a bit like not watching the before midnight you know are you but you're gonna you buy the bullet this time you're gonna do it what with brent yeah 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 because yeah, yeah yeah no ricky Gervais is a funny one because um i don't really know the office that well but i loved extras yeah um I extras is great that's fantastic and you know, again just two series or two or three actually. two series two and series. then a christmas special and really really good christmas special one of my favorites ever actually mm. um and you know that was that was really funny and again that was kind of poignant um but his his american films are awful yeah the invention of lying might be one of the worst <laughs> things i've ever ever seen just for con- I, yeah. it's conceptually all wrong the, their yeah. very idea of what lying is was wrong which just, i think flawed it from the beginning i but also i just don't think he has a very cinematic uh vision when it comes to filmmaking I, he, he's he's born to make uh sitcoms yeah, in my opinion. Or podcasts, you know, or, yeah, or podcast. Yeah, yeah, he's a very successful podcast. Obviously, yeah. I'm sure everyone knows that. But um, his his films just look slightly. I don't know. The production never looks that sleek. Mm. It just and it, there's a lot of sort of 
wishy-washy dialogue and it, it does feel like he slightly doesn't have a, have a grasp as you said in the adventure of lying of the concepts that he's trying to discuss you know mm. when you're tackling a philosophical question like that you know you need someone like Woody Allen not you know Ricky or someone Trudeau. who just understands what lying is so also, just to clarify so the issue with that film is that you know I understand that's what you understand lying is when someone asks you a question and you reply with something that isn't the truth yeah Whereas they took this as, you know, no, you know, the whole point of the film was no one knows how to lie in this parallel universe. And it's just like a stream of consciousness. They just say what they're thinking all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I don't yeah, think, yeah. you know, not saying what you're thinking isn't it's, lying. Isn't lying. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, I love it. I, I like Cemetery Junction as well. Some people weren't that keen on it. It wasn't like a comedy, but I, but again, I quite liked it. I thought it was sweet. Mm. I thought it was, you know... Yeah, I thought it was all right, but again, there's just so many films that do that kind of coming of age, young love, um, you know, people with big ideas living in a small town. There's mm. just so many films that do that better that I really wouldn't watch Cemetery Junction for that. I mean, I've seen Cemetery Junction, mm. you know, and it was all right, but again, the production just didn't seem of. I don't know. There's something about a Ricky Gervais film that it has a quality to it, and it's a quality that I don't particularly like. But okay. I mean, this is me coming. I, I, uh, the Office is pro- probably my favourite mm. sitcom. Mm. You know, I, I love it, and I think he is a genius because I think that when you watch The Office, I do think it is a work of genius. Um, but I do feel like he should stick to sitcoms. But this is why the Life on the Road would be interesting because mm. it, it. This is the first time he's taken a character. Um, from something that's been extremely successful, mm. extremely popular, like The Office, and then turned it into a film, mm. which is a um, you know mode of expression that he hasn't been a, a critically successful mm. in anyway. So it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. You know, I am going to go and see it with a bunch of mates, you know, and go to the pub beforehand because it's just that kind of film. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with you there. Um, I can't imagine. You know, I'm obviously going to have a good time. You know. Yeah, I, I, th- I think you will either way. Mm. Um, another film I'm really looking forward to seeing, just to see what they do with it. The trailer, I'm like, mm, you know, I'm not quite sure sure about it, but the new Bourne film. Oh yeah, Matt Damon's back, isn't it? Yeah, Matt Damon's back. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it's. Directed by Paul Greengrass, actually. I saw the I saw the headlines. Matt Damon born again. Hey. <laughs> but that's out, um, you know, within the month, I think. Okay. But I you know the first three of those. So you said Paul Greengrass not directing it. I'll, I'll give a quick check actually of that. Um, but the first three of those are three of my favourite action films ever. Yeah, they redefined the action genre. Really. Oh, yeah, completely. Um, you wouldn't have had Casino Royale without those. No, not at all. They actually had a lot of the same um, crew on that, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, I think in terms of like the you know, fight choreographers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, you, know, you, you, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have any of the new Bonds without mm. Borden. You know, they had to change because it, it made the latter day Pierce Brosnan stuff seem even more ridiculous. They you know uh, yeah, yeah. it would have done anyway. Yeah, invisible cars and whatnot. Um, but oh, no, I like the invisible car. People are so rude about Die Another Day. I think it's all right. No, no. why? Well, <laughs> I think the worst one is Tomorrow Never Dies. Tomorrow, really? Yeah. I thought that was all right. Yeah, no, I I couldn't get behind it. I haven't seen it in a very long time. I've seen that a few times. We should we should have like a Bond section on here. Yeah, I thought I think that's a good idea. Actually. Reviewing Bond movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's, is it just called Jason Bourne? Yeah. Uh, no, it's Paul Greengrass. Oh, fantastic! Okay, so this, this should be good. <laughs> the first. Oh, three... and Alicia Vikander, she's brilliant. Yeah, and, and Julia Stiles. And is Julia Stiles is back. Yeah. Okay, so it okay. has, and Tommy Lee Jones is in it. Oh, so, okay, so it's set up that's to a, be as a grizzled Texan cop. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know the half of what you're getting into. <laughs> um. Yeah, it, it's set up. It should be fantastic. You know, I said that's huge expectations, but I love the first three so much. It can't fail. Well, the, they did the other one with um, what's his face. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, but I know, I know. Yeah, the, the born. Um, I don't know. I didn't born see, legacy or something. Yeah, the born legacy. Yeah, I with the guy from the Hurt Locker. Um, yeah, I don't know who that is. And uh, the Avengers. He's Hawkeye. Why can't I remember his name? This is awful. Joe will remember at some point during the show. Yeah. And we'll drop it in. suddenly come to me. Okay, fine. So, looking forward to that. And the other film I actually have seen... Yeah. ...is, uh, I hadn't seen before, is 13 Going on 30. Which, actually, I enjoyed much more than I thought I would. Is that the one with Anne Hathaway? Jennifer Garner. 
Oh, Jennifer Garner. Yeah, Jennifer yeah, Garner. Yeah. It's like 2003, 2004, maybe. I have seen that. Why did you watch that? Because um, I was at uh, a friend's house and there was a selection of films. And... At a sleepover. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was a selection of films and I hadn't seen it before. And, you know, my girlfriend said it was one of her favourite films. I thought, you know, I'd right, give it okay, a go. Fine. So I, there was a I, girl involved. Yes, oh. but uh, I really enjoyed it. And Mark Ruffalo, and this is made about, you know, over ten years ago now. Yeah. He looks really young and is at like peak adorable <sighs> Mark Ruffalo ness. He yeah, he plays that cameraman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marty is his name? Matt. Matt, okay. Yeah. Have you seen it? I, I yeah, I don't think I've seen it in one sitting, I've seen okay. bits of it. Okay, fine. So there's a there's a smorgasbord for you. Yeah. No, thirteen like, going on thirteen. Thirteen going on thirteen. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo is just delightful. Yeah. yeah. You heard it here first. Um okay, right, so I think we've spent enough time on all of that. Let's get on with the show. Coming up next is my review of The Neon Demon. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back. Um, So I, this afternoon, funnily enough, on a Saturday afternoon, sober, went to watch... The Neon Demon, directed by Nicholas Winding Refn, formerly directed Drive and uh, Only God Forgives. His big breakthrough was Drive, mm. um, cinematically, which I absolutely love. You love as well. Oh, yeah, I, I really love I think uh, it's really great. Yeah, and you say cinematically, that is a cinema film. It is, and you need to sit on a big screen with great sound systems. I mean, the soundtrack alone, they, the BBC even rescored that film. Um, I thought the rescore was rubbish. I haven't seen the rescored version actually. I, I, I wouldn't. I well, I'd watch it just to show you how much a score can affect films. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. It, you know, it, it does. It uses the cinematography very well. It uses the score very well, um, and it looks a bit like if anyone's ever played uh, Grand Theft Auto, sort of Vice City. Kind of, yeah. It looks a lot like that. The writing yeah. is is very much the same in the credits. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just those overhead shots of LA. Um, yeah. It's it's a fantastic film. Anyone who hasn't seen Drive, you need to get out there and watch it. It is very. There are some very violent parts in it, but it feels completely necessary um, for for the plot. You know, it's yeah, integral it's to like the plot. Short burst of. of Hyperviolence, really. Yeah, but it's not. It never feels indulgent. No, no, I don't think so. Okay, so this film, this is the most difficult film I think I've ever watched in the cinema. It was horrible. I almost left. I almost walked out. Really? And I promise you, I would have definitely walked out if I didn't have to do this review. Wow. Okay. It, It is. The Telegraph have called it the most offensive film of the year, and not in a good way. Um. I just saw that headline when I was looking at um, when I was doing some research earlier. It's a film. Okay, fine. So Elle Fanning plays this. Uh, she's the sister of Dakota Fanning. Yeah. She plays this young. Um, she's sixteen, and she comes to LA in search of a modeling career. Or you know, she doesn't really know what she's looking for, but she, her parents are mm. nowhere to be seen, um, and she's got a pretty face. And she comes looking to get into some kind of industry connected with her beauty. And she gets snapped up immediately, and it's very evident uh, very early on that she possesses a quality that the other models don't have. This makes them extremely jealous, and despite the fact that they invite her to parties and invite her to their houses and stuff, it's obvious that they're growing increasingly jealous. Um, Not just of the fact that she's getting all this attention from... um, from uh, modelling directors and people in charge of catwalk shows um, because of her beauty, but also because she seems to possess this indefinable quality that they can't quite put their finger on what it mm. is. Um, you know, the, the the whole film keeps talking about how she's, she's got this, she possesses this Do they portray aura. that? They do, and this is one of the good things about the film. I mean, it's really difficult to review this film. I almost, <laughs> when I was sitting there watching it, thinking... I can't believe I'm going to have to talk about this later. Mm. I almost thought, right, I'm just going to say I can't talk about it and that would be the end of the review and it would be about 10, ten seconds long. Um, yes, that's one of the good things about it. Elle Fanning, um, she does look extraordinary. I mean, she's 18 years old mm. in, in real life. She's playing a 16-year-old and she does seem to 
Whether or not it's the film that brings that out, I've never seen her in real life. I, Dakota Fanning, I've always thought, looks quite striking. Mm. Do you know what she looks like, Dakota Fanning? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, She's a former child star, so she's... Yeah, well, so is, so is, her sister, so is Elle. Um, and, yeah, she does, have an ex- she does look extraordinary in, uh, with, with all the makeup and everything as well. Um, she strikes an incredibly... So she, she has an incredibly striking pose, and you can kind of... You can understand why everyone's fawning over her in a way because she does look so different from all these other models. Mm. Not just in beauty, but there is there is a sense of an undefinable quality about her. Not just because everyone keeps talking about it, but because mm. it's evident on the screen, and that's done really well. Um, <laughs> the film is really, I think, at its core, it's about um, exterior beauty versus interior beauty, although. That's kind of what it's saying it's about, although there's not many signs of interior beauty. Um, There's not many signs of interior beauty in it, so that kind of contrast never particularly happens. Mm. The the central character of Elle is incredibly undeveloped. Um, Every scene, she looks like she's just shot heroin before the scene. I mean, it's very dreamy. There's not much. Do you remember? Do you remember in Drive, Ryan Gosling hardly said anything. Yeah. Well, this is like the female equivalent of Ryan. But Gosling. But that worked because he was. That was almost like an old western. The way that you know he was like a kind of man with no name. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, strong, silent type. Yeah, and and this is kind of trying to do the same thing. You know, she's come out of nowhere. She's a mysterious figure. You know, there's a line in it. She said, "Oh, my mother always told me I was dangerous. You know, and that's what I am. Dangerous. Um, not dangerous in terms of what she can do physically, but dangerous because." Um, you know, her beauty is such that it makes other people incredibly jealous of her. And mm. the problem the problem is that in Drive, the violence and... The reason that the violence in Drive never felt particularly indulgent was because it served as a function to progress the plot. And mm. every time there was violence on the screen, you could understand it, um, you know, when they were trying to get... Um, what do we call it? The, who plays... Oscar Isaac. Who plays the girl? Oh, um... Kerry Mulligan. Yeah, Kerry Mulligan. You know, he was getting revenge for them trying to get at Kerry Mulligan, and it all made sense. Whereas in The Neon Demon, there's not really any plot at all. Um, I mean, it, what, it's, just the... about, it's just a film about concept. Okay, I'm just going to play a clip, and then I'll explain my earlier statements. Okay. Um, so this is a clip of a fashion director explaining the difference between one of the regular models who works for him and this new girl, uh, Jessie, played by Elle Fanning, who's just come onto the scene. Dean. We're having a little debate over here. We need your expertise. Okay. You know Gigi, right? Well, I mean, we just met. Wait, 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 will you stand up so that you can take a look at you? Go on, stand up. Well, what? What do you think? Do you think she's beautiful? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess she's fine. Yes, yes. That's exactly the word that I was looking for. She's fine, right? You can sit down now, thanks. Thank you, Dean. Now, look at Jesse. Nothing fake. Nothing false. A diamond in a sea of glass. True beauty is the highest currency we have. Without it, she would be nothing. I think you're wrong. Excuse me? I said I think you're wrong. So are you going to tell me that it's what's inside that counts? Yeah, that's exactly what I think. Well, I think that if she wasn't beautiful, you wouldn't have even stopped to look. Well then. You see, I think that clip, that's probably quite intriguing, that clip. I mean, it probably makes you want to see the film. Kind of, yeah, but I can see what you mean about the spaced out quality of uh, Elle Fanning. Yeah, the whole film. The whole film has that tone. Um, Very wide-eyed. Yeah, she's deer in the headlights the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens then is, as 
the other models infatuation grows, two in particular, um, it, things become increasingly heightened until the film starts exploring, well it doesn't really explore them, it just features scenes of uh, necrophilia and cannibalism. Yeah, which is... What? Yeah, no, I'm serious. Um, which is <laughs> just incredibly hard to watch. I, I think five people walked out of the screening that I was in. Wow. And there was only about 20 people in the whole screening. Um, it's, I've never seen, I've never seen those things portrayed on screen uh, in quite that manner. Actually, I don't think I've ever seen those things portrayed on screen anyway. Um, Sons of the Lambs? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't really portrayed though in that film. Well, no, it didn't really feature it. No. See, the thing about it is, it's not, it's not a film about, it's not a film about uh, those those things. It just happens to feature them. So they seem shoehorned in for shock and all. They don't. I mean, not particularly because I, it kind of makes sense in the context of this infatuation that these other women have with the character of uh, with the character of Jesse, but. It just feels like it's just a step too far, really. And when you're sitting there watching that, although you're trying to tell yourself this is a function and this, <laughs> the reason that this is happening is a function of the plot, you know, mm-hmm. and it makes that. Well, as I said, there's not really much of a plot, so it's a function of, you know, expanding on the themes that the film is talking about. It doesn't matter because it's just so unwatchable mm. and so. It's just, yeah, so unwatchable and so unpleasing that you you really just want to walk out. And, and to be honest, it... no, no, you know, it, it doesn't talk about the themes well enough to justify those scenes. And it's just, and the whole film has a hot, just a tight knot in your stomach all the way through. Not because you care about the characters, just because you're wondering when the next disgusting thing is going to play out. So does this stuff happen throughout, was it? It's, it's no, it's increase. more to, more towards the climax, but there okay. are there's a lot of flashing um, photography and a lot of sort of um, it's like Pink Floyd videos on crack, you know. <laughs> it, there's a, there's a sign, there's a warning outside it, uh, the screening saying if you suffer from epilepsy, mm. like you can't see this film because mm. there's so much, um, there's so many. F- it's hard to explain it, but there's like there's kind of music video scenes um, where there's just flashing lights. Um, yeah, I mean, if you thought, like, Drive was on Coke or something, this is on crack. Mm. This is just completely insane. Um, it also has Keanu, Keanu Reeves in it, which I only realised afterwards. And um, he plays, like, this motel manager, who the manager of the motel where Elle Fanning is staying. Yeah. Um, he plays the motel manager who, like, takes advantage of the girls that are staying there. But it's a really minor role. I mean, he's not on screen for that long. And... It's just like, I can't imagine what they must have done or said to Keanu Reeves to get him to be in this because, it, like, he's playing a motel manager who's like a perv and he's not even on, he's not even a major character. So he must be really desperate for roles at the moment. It seems a very strange role for him to take on. That is odd. I mean, I, a lot of people really don't like Keanu Reeves. I don't, I don't mind Keanu Reeves. Yeah, and he, I thought he had a bit of renaissance because uh, John Wick. Which is like oh, I never saw that. It's that's like a small, tight, like ridiculous action movie hmm. where um, he's recently bereaved and um, his passed away wife gets him a dog to help him go over it, um, and these you know Russian mobsters kill his dog. Um, Sounds for ridiculous. Some, for some reason, and then they come to his house, and then some crazy fighting ensues, but. It's it's silly, but it's really good fun. Mm. It's really it's, it's, I I I enjoyed it a lot. I saw Keanu Reeves the other day. Oh, you did, didn't you? Yeah, Did yeah, in Goodwood uh, Festival of Speed in the drivers' lounge. Um, no, I didn't. He only came in for about two minutes. He had a really big beard on as well. Oh, mate, well, he could have been a guest. Keanu, if you're listening, yeah, feel free to come on any time. What what would I have said to him though? Hey, mate, didn't didn't recognise you though. Yeah, <laughs> L- loved you in Point Break. <laughs> yeah, no, not no. so much in Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> we love you and everything, don't, Keanu. Don't mention that. Come on the show. Um, Talk about Bill and Ted. Which one's that? That's his. That's like his first movie when they go. Um, him and his mate have an adventure with like death. Uh, I'll watch in, that. Like, the spirit of yeah, death. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, the Neon Demon. 
Yeah, incredibly hard to watch. I wouldn't recommend it at all. Uh, it's not enjoyable it to watch. Grim. It's yeah, it's grim, and you know, I guess in so, terms of society, it's a commentary on uh, the state of the fashion industry. You know, there's uh, there's um, references to how 21 years old is is now really old in the fashion industry. Um, that's mad. You know, but it doesn't necessarily. It doesn't really feel like particularly an exploration of that. I, I, Nicholas Winding Refn, it's really weird as well, because I read an interview with him in Shortlist magazine this week, and he said that he his life is really mundane, and he like he has a, he just has a wife so and two kids. and just like, decides yeah. to go ham when he makes his movies. Well, that's, that's what he was saying, because his life is really mundane, so the only time he gets to like express... But it's just like, where in everyday life would he get the inspiration to make these films? It, it, this is just... To and and it's I really wish I'd seen um I really wish I'd seen Only God Forgives because uh, this that was very polarizing a lot of people that really was ex- didn't like that that was extremely polarizing yeah. I I tried to see that in Westfield um and they only had real premiere seats available so it's like thirty quid and oh, I was God. thinking about paying it with my mate and the guy said to me who who was selling you know the guy at the cinema stand he mm. said. I would not go and see it. He said, everyone who's been in that has screening has like walked out after about half an hour, just shaking their heads. Apparently, it's unwatchable. So I'd love to see... I don't want to watch it, mm-hmm. but I probably will watch it. I just would like to see how Only God Forgives compares to this, because I can't see how it could be much more horrible than this. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just don't see how that's possible. So, is it the portrayal of these horrendous things, or is it? Yeah, it's a, a, yeah. So there's horrible portrayal of it, and it's just there's no light in any part of the movie. Like mm. there's no saving grace in any of it. There's no redemption anywhere. Do you think he he is increasingly becoming? He knows that people might pay to go see these films because they're just like so mad. Do I don't know. I don't becoming more like that because he. You know, I I really love Drive, and it's aesthetically. You know, it's very stylistic. Uh, you know, there are some people who I know who don't really like it, who think it's you know trying to be too fancy, etc. That's bullshit. Yeah, I think it's bullshit as well. Well, apparently, after he made Drive and it was really successful, he then had you know the studio gave him the the leash that he needed to go and do whatever film he wanted to make, basically. And he decided to go make Only God Forgives and use Ryan Gosling again. So it really feels like. Uh, in terms of creative control, I think he had complete control on Only God Forgives, and it feels like that was that was the movie he wanted to make. Like Drive was the film he had to make, so he that he could now make films like Only God Forgives and The Neon Demon. So it's like I really wish they could rein him in a bit, yeah. and so he could make films like Drive again. Because yeah. Drive was Drive had you know great pop, uh, plot development, um, as we've already discussed, great soundtrack. I just excellent performances the performances are fine the cinematography I mean and I, that's one of the good things about this the cinematography is extraordinary and I haven't you know there's a certain quality to his films that I love mm. and I just wish that I could see yeah, I just wish I could see that great cinematography the performances are good as well uh, Gina Malone is really good as uh, this stylist sort of makeup artist mm. of Donnie Darko and Hunger Games fame yes yeah yeah that's right yeah I'd forgotten she was in Donnie. She plays the girlfriend in yeah. Donnie Darko. Yeah. yeah, God, that was a long time ago. Yeah, how old is she now? I wonder. In her th- probably older than thirties, late thirties. Think initially, Donnie Darko is like fifteen years ago. Yeah, at least. I love Donnie Darko. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the performances are fine as well, but um, I just wish he could make these films with the great performances with the character insight that he obviously has, with the great cinematography, mm. but just, you know, hold back a little bit on the abstractions and, mm. and focus it slightly less on themes and a little bit more on plot because there mm. was no plot to this. It needed more drive, well, in both terms. It needed more plot drive in both, uh, yeah, excuse the pun, and, and it just needed slightly less of scenes that are frankly just unwatchable and I don't understand why you would need to put those on the screen unless he felt they were completely necessary given the themes which as I've already said I don't think they were but there we go it, he, he's a filmmaker I'm not right so The Neon Demon don't see it <laughs> don't, yeah do whatever you do don't go and watch it and don't yeah, I mean that's quite. I've never seen you react to a film like that. They, to, to say that you would have walked out if you had. I'd rather go and see Ivan and the Chipmunks back to back than go and see really? that again. It's horrible, wow. horrible. 
You should go and watch it to see how bad it is. Oh, I, don't I mean, not how bad it is. It's not a bad film. It's just a horrible film. It's not a horrible film like Sex and the City. You know, Sex and the City is like means bad things. Mm. This film is not bad intention. There's a, people need to understand, you know, there's a difference between a film that has a black heart and is actually a bad film and bad for society and, mm. uh, and this kind of film. This is not a film that is... is well, because you... No, but in terms of... Do you, do you find it offensive? You know, I don't the, find the, it offensive. I don't agree with the Telegraph. I don't agree with the Telegraph. Was that Robbie Collins? Uh, I have I haven't read the review because I don't read reviews of the films I mm. review before I review them. So I quite like Robbie Collin. Um, yeah, he's a Scottish one who yeah. does Radio Five Live sometimes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't think in terms of offensive, I, it depends what you call offensive. I wasn't offended by it mm. because it wasn't racist and it wasn't um, didn't deal in stereotypes particularly. Mm. But I did find it disgusting and gruesome. Because it was disgusting yeah. and gruesome. And I don't think Nicholas would disagree with me on that either. Right. So well, anyway, avoid it like the plague. And um, hopefully next time he will rein himself in a little bit. And you'll hear it here first. And get the thumbs up from us and then you can go and watch it. Right, okay. Well, that was The Neon Demon. And uh, coming up next is The Legend of Tarzan. So uh, I imagine quite a change in tone. Hopefully. Alright, see you in a bit. Welcome back to Everyone's a Critic. Well, after that, Samuel's, uh, you know, the film that he preferred to watch, Alan of the Chipmunks, back-to-back, man, the Neon Demon. Um, so I went to see The Legend of Tarzan on Wednesday night. It was really quite late because I wanted to watch the Wales-Portugal game, which was, you know, not a great. disappointment. Yeah, it wasn't great in the end. Um, but, you know, I wanted to watch that, so I went to watch it, and it was, uh, it was really late. It was like 11.45. Yeah, I know, because you said to me, you were like, oh, do you want to come? I was like, I don't think so. Not finishing at 1.45 on a work night. Yeah. Um, so... Rock and roll as I am. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I am crazy. <laughs> you nutter. I know, right. Uh, so it's an interesting crowd you get in the cinema. Which cinema was it? It was the North Finchley View. Most, oh, most yeah. cinemas aren't, aren't open that late. No, 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 no I, was, I was thinking, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting crowd. You know, they, they quieten down, but there's quite quite rowdy people. Really? Yeah, just kind of... Well, like, drunk? Not drunk, but just, like, loud and annoying. And they're like, oh, please, I'm in the cinema, can we just... Yeah, but that's probably a function of going to a multiplex more than going to going at that time. Kind of. I mean, when was the last time you were in the Crouch End Picture House worrying about sound? Worrying about people being noisy. Um, there were some slightly noisy people in the Alien Double Bill, but actually they were just beforehand and in between. That was fair enough. And that that comes from sitting through four and a half hours of Aliens. Yeah, yeah. No, I enjoyed those, but that was that was tough. <laughs> that was tough. Yeah, that was late as well. We kind of like ten or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so you know, it's interesting crowd seeing a film that late, but I I'm glad I saw it. So. Um, so this is The Legend of Tarzan, so this is uh, live action, because the last Tarzan film we had was the Disney one in the 90s, which I, I, I'm a big fan of, I really like that. Um, you're, you're thinking about that? You I remember that? my dad took me to see that, and mm. I think he walked out and what? had like a coffee and waited for me to finish watching it, he didn't like it, but yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I remember the film, it's alright. Yeah, no, I, I quite like the film, and one of my favourite things, it has Brian Blessed in. <laughs> Which is brilliant. Is, uh, what, the Clayton. Disney one? Yeah, yeah. He voices... He voices Clayton. Yeah. Jim! Jim! <laughs> Can you say anything else? Um, I came here to protect you, and protect you I shall. <laughs> that sounds quite accurate, actually. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, Brian Blessed is always fantastic in you know, anything he does. Mm-hmm. Just by virtue of being Brian Blessed. Mm-hmm. Um... So this is live action. So this is Alexander Skarsgård, uh, who I think his biggest thing he's been in. He was in uh, that HBO show True Blood, uh, which was on a while ago. Yeah, I've heard of that. Um, he's also in an education. He's really good at that. Oh yes, yes, he is. Good he's at fantastic that. at that. I think with Kerry Mulligan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also more recently, God, my memory is awful today. The Johnny Depp film where he plays oh. the mob boss. Uh, dark. Dark. Oh, I can't remember. Can't remember either. 
We're awful today, aren't we? Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's been in those, and uh, he's he can be, uh, you know, in in education. You know, he's very charming. Uh, you know, sweeps everyone who he's round off his feet, mm. um, but has kind of like slight suspicious um, kind of slime ball undertones. Busy, yeah, undertones. Um, and in this Johnny Depp movie, Where's the Mobster, which I can't remember right yeah, now, yeah. he's, um, you know, he's kind of quite manic and kind of cokehead, basically, but he's good at that, mm. you know, paranoid cokehead. Um, type guy. Mm. In this, so he's Tarzan and um, it's an interesting take on it because kind of like one of the issues is it's trying to juggle too many things. So it starts out as like historical fiction kind of. So this is Tarzan after he, you know, he's been discovered back home in America. Yes. So he's, you know, been discovered in the jungle and it starts with him um, back in London where he's, you know, taking up his father's uh, lordship. He's like Lord Greystark or something. Um, Taking up his father's lordship. Yeah, so you know when what when... happened? Was he lost in the jungle? He was originally British then. Yes, no. So, so the Tarzan story is his parents were like shipwrecked, um, you know, on in the jungle and... in the Congo. Yes, yeah, in the Congo, um, and he, you know, they died, and he was raised by gorillas. Um, so it's after he returns and. Uh, he's asked very early on, you know, can you come back at the invitation of King Leopold, um, who of France of, of Belgium, oh, right, okay. um, who ran the Congo, and in a much more personal way than you know Belgium as a country did, uh, you know the kind of <laughs> scramble. Yeah, no, but in you know it was his personal fiefdom basically. Right, okay. Congo, the way they kind of scramble, you know, carved up the scramble for, for Africa, and Congo is a huge place. Yeah, yeah. Democ- um, Democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah, Doctor Congo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's a huge place right in the centre of Africa. You know. You yeah, yeah. Don't know geography. Thanks, thanks Joe. Yeah. You know, some people might not know. Yeah, we'll we'll put a map of the world on and show you where Congo is on the podcast. Yes, we'll circle it on there. Put it on the Facebook page. Yeah, for, page. for all those idiots. Um, so he's asked to come back at the invitation of King Leopold, but something uh, seemed afoot because in the first scene, um, Christoph Waltz, who is you know the King Leopold's right hand man, goes into Congo to try and find these diamonds, um, and this big war chief you know comes and sees him. Christopher Waltz says, you know, you know, after lots of people are killed, so, you know, I, I just want the diamonds, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was Christoph Waltz's way. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I want. Uh, and um, I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Diamon, Diamon Honsu? Diamon Honsu? I don't know who that is. Have you seen Blood Diamond? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so, dad in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's this, you know, war, tribal war chief. Says, you know, bring me him and I will get you all the diamonds you want. Tarzan. Obviously implied. Right. Okay. So you know, I I don't. I don't Why know, does well, he want to get Tarzan? Well, that is you know brought out through the film. Okay. Okay. Um, but I will play you a short clip from the beginning when they are the British government are requesting Tarzan to go to the Congo. Lord Greystoke, let me explain the Africa situation. King Leopold controls the Congo. He's defaulting on his loans and needs a business partner to fill the gap. Consider the jobs we would create for the poor natives of the Congo. Prime Minister, allow me. You are Tarzan, Lord of the Apes, King of the Jungle. King Leopold's inviting you because you're a celebrity. He wants to show you the schools and churches he built. You, ooh, and ah, in front of the newspapers, and he's validated by Africa's favorite son. England pays his debts. We make money. Ham sandwich. Easy. Brilliant. Didn't realize Samuel L. Jackson was in it. Yeah. I love love it now. I want to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, you get a bit of basil exposition there in terms of, you know, King Leopold running out of money. He needs Tarzan as business partner who, you know, is ostensibly representing the government. He doesn't want to go initially. And then uh, Samuel Jackson, who's this US government official, um, says, you know, I I know you don't really want to go on this um, PR stunt, basically, to go Mm. and help out King Leopold. But I think... You know, how on earth is he running this country with no money? 
and, and by this point in the 9th century, slavery had been internationally outlawed. I think he's, he's running slaves. Um, this in, is so bizarre. Yeah, yeah, in the Congo. I think you're interested in that. Why don't you come along? Um, we'll go together. So, it just doesn't sound like a Tarzan film. Yeah, when so, you think of Tarzan, you think of just a kind of adventure in that kind of very closed-off um, jungle, um, you know, with no ex- yeah environment, with no kind of exterior, uh, no other context. Uh, yeah, not all. not much other context. Yeah. This sounds like a political thriller. Well, this is one of the issues. So, um, good Samuel Jackson. Yeah, obviously, every time I and I, I said this to two few people, this proves. Yet again, that there isn't a film that hasn't that isn't improved by the presence of Samuel L. Jackson. That's true. You know, he's in that. You know, in that he's just like you're Tarzan. Just come along. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Sort of and, yes, I am Tarzan. <laughs> you know, but that's this kind of saying what the audience are saying. Like, come on, you know, mm. stop marking out this Lord Greystoke historical fiction. Well, yeah. Help the King of. Belden not default on his No one wants to watch you in a period drama for the next two hours. You yeah, know, we need exactly. you back in your loincloth, mate. Exactly. So, you know, it starts off as that, and then they go there, and it becomes more of kind of adventure type thing. And then, you know, but is it actually a romance film instead? Because you've got Margot Robbie as Jane, um, who. She must be good value. She is. I, I, I like Margot Robbie, actually. Yeah. Um, and she's, she's pretty good in this, you know, and then, you know, goes she to rescue the damsel in distress. She doesn't wear a long cloth. Oh, okay. Um, you know, goes to rescue her from the evil clutches of Christoph Waltz. Um, but it, I feel like it's trying to juggle too many things. Um, so, A, you know, you've you got too much going on, I think, in terms of themes and plot, mm. etc. Mm. And, you know, we, we're not interested in, you know, King Leopold all that business. But, yeah. you know, as a separate film, I think that's interesting because the Congo is an example of kind of the very worst excesses of uh, colonialism. Yeah. You know, it was the way they, the Belgians treated the Congolese was awful. Mm. Um, and that's just like, a, you know, the British are fine. The, obviously the British weren't fine, but, mm. you know, it should be, you know, hell of an example of what not to do. Yeah. Um, so as, as a separate film, that would be interesting. Or if it was just looking at that through you know, the Tarzan prism. Mm. Um, but it wasn't. So it's got that as an issue. I thought. I thought Alexander Skarsgård wasn't great. You know, he's really? yeah. Well, his character just seems quite toned down. He seems quite within himself. Because um, the scenes, like the pictures that I've seen of him, sort of with a massive six pack and stuff, yeah, looked just, like it was going to be crazy. Yeah, just you know, Dench and the long hair and yeah and whatnot. And they have flashback scenes to you know when he was um, a you know baby and then child and you know rescued and. Um, old school Tarzan when he's just living with the uh, uh, gorillas, etc. Does he start swinging from the trees and stuff there? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. The, there is trees. The, yeah, that that isn't the whole film. There, a lot of it is tree swinging, but there's also a lot of build up to the um, to what goes on. I think it could be a lot shorter, like most films, but I think particularly this. Yeah. Um, I think there is too much going on. I thought, you know, I, I really like Christoph Waltz, but I feel like he's kind of becoming a little just like autopilot villain. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he does look like a person that's born to play villains, especially sounds like one as well. I saw a bit of Glorious Bastards on the TV the other day. He's fantastic in that. Yeah, he's yeah. great in that. But I know what you mean. He does, it, it does seem like those characters Ooh, come let's terribly have Christoph easy Waltz to be really mean, really weird. Yeah, like, ooh, let's get him Inspector, you know. Yeah. Which again, um, I wasn't a big And I was saying, I don't think I've ever seen him not be a villain. But that's not true, actually, because in Django, he's not really. Uh, I forgot he was in Django. Yeah, he's the guy who initially buys Django. Oh, yeah. Takes him on, on his, you know, few missions and then helps he's Django. he's got a big beard in that. Yeah, and helps Django um, find his wife again. Yeah, okay, fine. So not quite a villain. No, no, he's, although he engages in slavery, um, he... In a Tarantino film, that's like being a saint. Yeah, true. Um, There's yeah. a lot worse things going on. Yeah, exactly, within the context of it. And he says he doesn't really like it, but he just is, you know, needs must. Yeah, and yeah. then he helps out Django. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's, he's quite nice in that, really. Uh, but in this, he's kind of autopilot villain. Uh, Margot Robbie's all right. Samuel L. Jackson's fantastic. Uh, Jamon Honsu is okay, but I feel like his character, you know, you didn't need that extra plot line, I don't think. If he was just... Tarzan versus the Belgians and trying to free slaves and, you know, sort out what's going on with the jungle. It sounds like enough to be dealing with. Yeah, yeah. Sounds a bit like the Independence Day effect. A little bit. Where you could have just said, that plot line, not engaging, Mm. drop it, 
know, let's take and two he, characters but out. He's not really, 15, he's not really on screen that much. Um, it's it's an interesting. It's not like terrible. It's just I didn't think it was particularly good. I think they're trying to do too much. It's uh, David but, Yates, who's the director of um, the latter Harry Potter films, right, which okay. were good. You know, I thought the. Um, really seen them. Oh, surprising. Mm. Um, so you know, it's it's okay. I preferred the um, you know the Disney the Disney one <laughs> because but no because that you know that is conceptually much more tight. Yeah, you know, exactly. Tarzan, yeah. you got the beginning bit where you know his parents are killed and he gets raised, and the bit when he's a kid, and then Jane comes along, discovers Jane, they fall in love. Clayton's not very nice. Yeah, blah blah simple, blah. Simple, 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 simple. Um, done well, great soundtrack. Um, so I, I'd much prefer that. If you want to see a Tarzan film, go that. I thought, yeah, maybe don't just don't go to the cinema. Yes, this week. <laughs> Go to cinema this week. Yeah. Well, I don't see those two films either. Stay at home and w- uh, watch two of the next films. But you know, I didn't want to walk out. No. It's not atrocious. No, I, d- I wouldn't even walk out of films. There's no, bad. I just, uh, there's there's no, no cannibalism. There's no cannibalism or, or necrophilia. Or necrophilia. No, yeah. I remember anyway. Well, I think I'd remember that. Well, that's a thumbs up from me then. Um, okay, good. Right, so coming up, uh, we're going to be looking at our hidden gem for this week which is The Guard yeah Irish film um yeah so that's next stay tuned welcome back to Everyone's a Critic so we just had Tarzan and the Neon Demon which you know we weren't that keen on no you know with with different extremities really Not, not not recommended in either case no um, but you know, so I, I didn't feel quite as strongly about The Legend of Tarzan as I did yeah. about Neon Demon but let's not send people home oh, no. <laughs> oh my phone's talking to me <laughs> let's not send people home you know empty handed um, no let's give them something to watch no so uh, for a hidden gem this week I suggested a film to Samuel called The Guard which only came out a few years ago but I didn't you know, get that much traction I didn't think no I hadn't heard of it no um, so it's a film with Brendan Gleeson and Don Cheadle in, mm-hmm. and uh, Mark Strong as well as a supporting character. Directed by John Michael McDonough. Yeah, he did a film called Calvary before. Um, no, after. After. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, also starring Brendan Gleeson. It's on, yeah. it's on Netflix. I haven't seen it, but I would imagine it sounds quite similar actually. Yeah. Um, so it stars Brendan Gleeson and Don Cheadle, and it's based in the west of Ireland, um, where, where I grew up. Is it the west of Ireland? The west coast, yeah. Oh, nice. In Donegal, which is a couple of counties above Galway where this was filmed. Okay, and did, so did it seem accurate? Uh, well, I could tell from the shooting that, yeah, it was, I mean, they shot it on, on location in Galway, mm. um, in, in Connemara, in fact, and it does look like the west coast of Ireland. The west coast of Ireland has a very distinctive look um, because the ground, it's not sort of long rolling hills with neatly cut grass or mm. you know even short grass it's quite boggy land um mm. and so it, it has a certain quality to it and it was nice to see that um in the film certainly made me feel slightly at home yeah uh so the film is based around don Cheadle, who's um an fbi agent who comes to um galway yeah to because there's you know, a drug deal going on um and he's trying to stop these kind of international traffickers. Who are going to be bringing $500 million worth of cocaine. That's half a billion, Samuel. Half, half a billion dollars. That's, that's half a billion, boys. That's on the, uh, that's on the clip we're about to do. Um, yeah, $500 million worth of coke they're bringing into the west of Ireland. Presumably because it's such a, it's such a remote place that yeah. they don't expect anyone to bust them there. Yeah. And Brendan Gleeson plays a sort of hard-drinking cop, uh, well not a cop, a guard sorry, that's what they call the um, police in Ireland, he plays a guard who's the sergeant of the the town and um, he kind of becomes embroiled in this it's a bit sort of Big Lebowski in that way, in terms of he gets into something way over his head really yeah, kind of, Um, but yeah he plays a character who initially you don't, you know, you're not particularly fond of no, Um, but he definitely grows on you and it has this kind of uh, buddy cop uh you know, part to it as well. Between him and Don Cheadle. Yeah, kind of odd couple type thing. Um, So let's play a short clip from um, somewhere kind of near the beginning where Don Cheadle is explaining 
um, what's about to go down. The vessel we are looking for is a 60-foot ship called the Annabelle Lee. We lost track of it three weeks ago when it left the Dominican Republic. Now, the DEA believe it to have somewhere in the vicinity of $500 million worth of cocaine on board. It may well be. Uh, that's half a billion, lads. Half a billion. Uh, thank you, Inspector Stanton. Yes, that's half, half a billion. Slide. Now, the men we believe to be involved in the trafficking are Francis Sheehy Skeffington out of Dublin. Next. Liam O'Leary, also out of Dublin. Next. Clive Cornell out of London. Next. And James McCormick out of Limerick. Now, these men are highly dangerous. And if, and if you do make a... S yes, Sergeant. I thought only black lads are throat eaters. <coughs> I'm sorry, what? I thought only black lads were throat eaters and Mexicans. What do they call them? Do I have a word for them? Yeah, there's a word for you too, sir. But I'm not going to go into that right now. Great portrayal of the Irish, though. <laughs> Yeah, so um, a lot of it, I think, is, is about the west of Ireland, and you know, they say you know you're you're in the west now. Yeah, um, it's about small communities, isn't it? It's about yeah. the difference between. Um, there's a there's a great scene where this cop has come from. Uh, sorry, this guard has come over from Dublin to work with Brennan Gleeson's character, and Brennan Gleeson gives him an instruction. And he says, oh, "I'm on it, Sarge." You know, and he says, "God, like I'm on it, Sarge." You, the guy thinks he's in fucking Detroit, you know. <laughs> and then exactly about twenty minutes later, he's having a conversation with a conversation with Don Cheadle, and he assumes because he's black and comes from America, he's like, "Oh, did you grow up in the projects?" Then he's like, "No, I did not grow up in the projects. I grew up in Wisconsin to a very middle class like family. Went yeah. to Yale University." And I think it's about just um, perceptions misplaced uh, and misguided perceptions that people have. On either side? Yeah, on either side, exactly. And um, so I think it explores that really well, as you were saying. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it, it was interesting to see the West of Ireland, because they talk a lot of Gaelic in the film as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so there, uh, a good chunk of it is um, subtitled. Is it? Not, not a good chunk of it, but you know... Some fair, of it. Some of it, you know, when... You, when uh, Brennan Gleeson is talking to certain characters. It's subtitled. I had to. I had to learn Gaelic at school. It really? was impossible. So what's it? Is it based on? Is it anything like English? Is it based? No. Is English based on it at all? No. No, I don't think so. No, it's very dissimilar to English. I mean, mm. it uses all the same letters. Mm. So same alphabet. Yeah, same alphabet. Yeah, but there's like fadders all over the place. That's an, that's like an accent in French. Okay. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's tricky, and there are certain pockets that speak Irish. Uh, mm. They're called Gaeltacht areas, but you also they all speak English. And of mm. course, the trick that they play on Don Cheadle is that they pretend they can only speak Irish mm. because they just don't want to engage with him. It was yeah. a bit reminded me a bit of like Hot Fuzz, you know, when the the new cops come into town. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, so no, I I really loved it. Actually, I thought it was very funny, and I thought Brendan Gleeson's character is is ridiculous, but he's just a lot a lot of fun to be around. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's, it, uh, the humour is extremely deadpan, yeah. uh, a little like in, in Bruges in a way. Yes, in, in yeah, very similar to in Bruges actually. In yeah. a way. He's, he's kind of an older, more world-weary version of Colin Farrell, I think, in that. He's not very similar to his character in in, in Bruges, I think. He's, I think he's a bit more like Colin Farrell. Yeah, but I certainly think the style of the humour and the delivery is quite similar to that film. Yeah. Um, I also thought that uh, the Brennan Gleeson character... As you said, yeah, he is fun to be around, and they could have slipped into that thing where you know he's a grizzled cop with a past, you know. Mm. But it doesn't really doesn't do that so much. There's a tender side to him as well. There's some nice scenes between him and his mother at um, she's at a hospice because she's you know she has about six to eight weeks left to live, mm. and there's some tender scenes between him and his mother. And he's there's also some funny facts like he went to Disneyland and Don Cheadle's asking him who he went with and it turns out they just went on his own. Jeez, I had a wild time. For that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, the, there's something more to his character than just those sort of Hollywood Liam Neeson stereotypes of a hard-drinking cop, you know. Yeah, exactly. And um, it has one of my favourite possibly ever lines in um, when he's talking, uh, when Don Cheadle's talking about his family, where he's from, 
and uh, you know his kids like, oh, do you, do you want to see my kids? Like, is it nug- is it an ugly baby? I was like, yeah, yeah. what are you trying to say? It's like, is an ugly baby? No, no, I don't want to see it then. Yeah, yeah. all babies look the same, apart from ugly ones. <laughs> so unless you baby, you're gonna show me an ugly baby, don't show me one at all. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that was yeah, no, it's good. I, I think, as you said, the the play between Don Cheadle and um, um, thingy, Brennan Gleeson, Brennan Gleeson works well. Um, they have good chemistry. What was the film we were talking about? Yeah, so it's an example of a film that knows its strong point and knows that that chemistry is its strong yeah. point. You know, as opposed to when I was talking about um, Independence Day before you know, needed to focus more on that relationship and those films um, mm. that have those relationships in them usually need to make them central because the more the development happens, the the more you become invested in it and the funnier the jokes become, mm. you know, and when something happens, so, you know, when something, an external factor breaks that relationship or has an effect on it, then it, it means more to you. So I thought that it, the film did that well and stuck to what it was good at, which mm. is the deadpan humour the buddy cop theme and the, you know, small town versus big town mm. perceptions. Mm. Yeah, now I, I, you know, after the first two films, I would thoroughly recommend this, actually, Picard. Yeah. It'll, it'll cheer you up, I think. It will, yeah. You know, so, certified hidden gem. Yeah, I'd definitely say so. Right, well, coming up next is uh, a classic, well, more than one classic, but a classic. You haven't done one, actually, for a very long time. Yes, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, so we're doing Goodfellas. Good fellas, yeah, coming up. Hello and welcome back. So our classic this week is Good Fellas, directed by Martin Scorsese. Not Francis Ford Coppola. Not Francis Ford Coppola, um, who directed The Godfather. Yes, yeah, no, the other um, gangster classic. classic epic. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this is 1990, um, starring Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, and Joe Pesci. Who Joe Pesci? Those Pesci, are? I think. Pesci, yeah, not Pesci. That sounds like a fish. Um, so Joe Pesci, he won um, Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, actually. Yeah, I'm not surprised. No. He's, he's brilliant in it. Yeah, he is great in it. And, like, terrifying. Yeah, really scary, even though it's... Yeah, not a horror movie. Um, that was actually voted the scary, one of the scariest moments in cinema. Anyway, we will talk about that afterwards. Um, the film is basically giving a portrayal of life as a gangster. Yeah, based on a true story. Yeah, of Henry Hill. He- of Henry Hill. Um, so you can say, tell from that name, he's not a kind of tra- traditional mobster background. Um, mm. Henry is half Italian and half Irish. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um... And he, you know, grows up, and you know, we'll we'll play a clip, or you know, we'll play the trailer actually, because I think it's most indicative, really. Yeah. You know, he always wanted to be a gangster, um, and it's about him kind of living that lifestyle um, when he's kind of in his twenties, thirties. Yeah. Well, it kind of charts it all the way from his childhood of wanting to be a gangster, yeah. all the way up to him in his thirties or forties, which. To be honest, is considering how many people die in this film, it's probably quite old for a gangster. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true, and it's that's one of the things it does well because sometimes it can be hard if a film's got that huge scope to it. Yeah. Um, to kind of be focused, mm. but it, it does that fantastically. Um, yeah, no, it's very tight. Um, should we lead with the clip then? Yeah, yeah, let's get the clip. Never ran on your friends, and always keep your mouth shut. <laughs> As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Hey, Mom, what do you think? You look like a gangster. I know I By the time I grew up, there was $30 billion a year in cargo moving through Idlewild Airport. And believe me, we tried to steal every bit of it. What do you do? I'm in construction. Ooh, he's not Jewish. Mazel tov. For most of the guys, killings got to be accepted. Hey, Henry. Here's an arm. Very funny, guys. Here's a leg. Here's a wing. <laughs> what do you like, the leg or the wing? So that was the trailer for Goodfellas, um, which was made in 1990, and uh, I think somewhat controversially, for some people anyway, it got beaten to uh, Best Picture at the Oscars by Dancers with Wolves. Oh, God. Have you seen that? I've seen a bit of it. I've seen it. 
It's pretty rubbish. Kevin Costner, epic. Yeah, about him, yeah. Dancing with wolves. Yeah. I mean, considering that's like... Yeah, like a probably two-hour-plus film. It's, uh, it's really, really long. Epic film, and, and this is a two-hour-plus film of kind of trying to do the same kind of thing. It's very surprising that Dance with Wolves won. But um, there we go. Um, one of the great things about this is you have uh, Liotta, Ray Liotta playing Henry Hill, uh, narrating throughout the film, mm. um, which is really useful because most, the average cinema goer wouldn't know the ins and outs of the Mafia family and how it works. So it's useful to have him saying, you know, the reason we can't be made is because we're half Irish, half Italian, yeah. you know, and you have to be completely Italian um, yeah. to be to become a made man, which is like the ultimate um, the ultimate what, accolade. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'd say accolade as well. Um, yeah, so to, to become a made man and kind of you can tell other people what to do. If someone else like kills you, the other the family will take revenge. Yeah, you know? it, and being a made man is a big kind of plot device throughout the film. Yeah. Um, so I, I I loved it. I I think possibly somewhat controversially, I prefer it to The Godfather. Yeah, I prefer it to The Godfather. I think The Godfather is more like family centric than this. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like you come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. You know, and that very strange performance from... Um, Brando? Yeah, from Marlon Brando. Um, whereas this this is quite kind of tighter in a way. It, it, it's a bit weird, though, because it, it does jump around all over the place um, in terms of time frames, but Scorsese said that if he felt that if we did... If, if he did that um, and kept the scenes quite short, then the impact would be um, really great. And it, and, it, and it is. And you do feel like you're watching something over the span of a long time, but you never feel bored, which sometimes is no. a problem with those kind of films. No, and you, you go along with it completely, and they do the age thing well, um, and it was kind of, it was Ray Liotta's kind of breakout film, and I don't think he's been better since. No. And Ray Liotta, unfortunately, has become a bit of a caricature, you know, I remember... Yeah. Um, Mark, we were talking about him in um, Revolver. Yeah, well, I remember him talking about in Place Beyond the Pines, which you really love. Yeah. And he does, and then Ray Liotta shows up and is Ray Liotta. Yeah, yeah, and he just does the Ray Liotta thing. Yeah, but I, yeah, I liked him in Place Beyond the Pines. I love that movie, but I, he is good at playing, like... Well, he plays, like, a bank cop in Place Beyond the Pines, and you can kind of see him as he, that. He's kind of go-to scumbag, actually, these yeah, days. Yeah, not as much as Ben Mendelsohn. No, no. But more more older, slimy older. Than, than Ben Middleson. Yeah, yeah, no, slimy and kind of greasy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, you're right. This is probably his greatest moment, um, and I'm sure he wouldn't, I'm sure he wouldn't uh, dispute that. It, it it shows you a world where like money and loyalty are king, really, um, above everything else, and there's no one who you can't blackmail, rob, bribe, murder, murder. You know. Um, it, it's like every avenue is explored with the ultimate goal of just being profit and money, and and killing is just a casual thing that you know happens to everyone eventually. Yeah, as is said um, within that trailer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, murder is nothing really. They're joking when they're burying the body. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I think it's. Uh, I think one of Robert De Niro's better films as well. Yeah, no, he's great, and he very yeah quite. Uh, deadpan and almost humorous in a way yeah and I think actually um, Robert De Niro can be very funny but he does the he does the kind of taking Reliotta under his wing thing quite well I think yeah he's called Jimmy the Gent yeah yeah Jimmy the Gent and he's you know he's the older guy in the beginning of that trailer he says you know um, never rat on your friends never. and always keep your mouth shut which are obviously the same thing yeah it's, it's a bit like first rule of Fight Club don't talk about Fight Club second rule of Fight Club don't talk about Fight Club yeah um, Basically, if you rat, then you know you're dead. Yeah, and I think it gives like a wider scope of that of that whole mob world than the Godfather does, and because it's set later on, a bit later on than the Godfather mm. um, as well, it see it just seems a bit more realistic. Yeah, you know, it's not set in this kind of deep within one family versus another family. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're and, right. and because the other thing it does well is because Henry is you know he's deeply involved. Because he has this outsider type thing, because he's half Irish, you know, and they, you know, they show his his wife is Jewish. Mm. He isn't deeply involved in the kind of Italian or Sicilian um, life and whatnot. 
Um, and that's another thing they do well. So you just mentioned his, his wife is Jewish. They show uh, from the wife's perspective quite well as well. Um, she's portrayed by... I have it written down here, actually. Uh, uh, I can't remember. Um, yeah, she's... They... They focus quite a lot on her character and what it's like for her, like living with uh, like a mafia, mm. someone who's in the mafia. And I know mm. to research the role, she tried to um, get in touch with you know mafia bosses, like wives, basically, mm. um, to explore that as well. So it's not, despite the fact that it is quite a male-centric film because you know all the guys are out drinking and shooting people at the Coca Cabana. You know, <laughs> Coca Cabana is it? How do you? Yeah, Copa, Copa Cabana. Copa Cabana. I think. Copa, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so they're at that club quite a lot. Um, you know, at the same time as having all that going on, you do get the women's perspective and how difficult it is when your husband is off behaving like that and yeah. putting his mistress up in another apartment. Yeah, and I think it um, it focuses on the marriage and women in general in a way that other gangster films don't. Yeah, um, which I know I think is very admirable. I think is it makes it a good part of the the plot line, mm. um, and especially early on when it shows him trying to woo her, the famous scene where he goes through the back of the restaurant, um, and everyone knows like, oh hey Henry, Henry, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, trying to impress her. And uh, it's also got a great soundtrack. Um, yeah, really great soundtrack. It's got a, it's got the Layla by um, Derek and the Dominoes. You know yeah. the Eric Clapton. Yeah. Um, it's got the second half of that played over a sequence of loads of people getting killed um, mm. and just shots of them getting killed. It's this very famous scene. You can see it, find it on YouTube. It's, it's great. I'll check that out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, one of the better murder montages. I think my favourite is actually in a TV show in Breaking Bad. Oh, a murder montage? Yeah. Well, I hope still haven't seen Breaking Bad, so don't recommend it. But yeah. you know, that's a, for another time, Breaking Bad. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we haven't branched into sitcoms yet. No, so this oh. is, I think this is probably one of my favourite films, actually. It's Good like, it's long, but it's... And it's, it's, it's 145 quite, minutes. Yeah, so, you know, nearly two and a half hours. Mm. Um, but it's funny as well, mm. I think. Yeah, there, there is humour in there. Um, which there isn't in The Godfather. I'm still like I'm putting down The Godfather, which is, you know, most people think... It's, slagging it's, off The Godfather. It's, you know, it's the best film of all time. Uh, I'm sure I wouldn't go that far, but, you know, it's a fantastic film. But I, this is me explaining why I think it's better. Mm. Um, I think it's a more rounded, less insular film. Um, and, you know, I think, yeah, Ray Liotta is, is really good in it. Ray Liotta has this weird thing where, like, I'm not sure, he always looks like he's wearing eyeliner. Yeah, I know what you mean. Man, he's just very tired. Maybe, yeah. Being really Otter's twenty-four hour job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be it'd be an interesting life to be really Otter. Ray, come on the show. Yeah. What's it like to be you? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Great. So certified classic. I mean, I'm sure everyone knew that already, but mm. you know, we've given it more oomph now. Yeah. No. Definitely. Once it has granted uh, some credibility to the EAC status of a classic. Yeah. No. It was in dispute before. People, some people <laughs> like I, good fellas. I'm not sure. We wanted to just put it to bed. Yeah. All right. Well, now we've settled that uh, once and for all. The, the good fellas. Um, the good classic fellas. question. Yeah. Let's. Uh, yeah. So let's wrap up the show. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, two films that you should definitely not go and see in the first half. And two films you should definitely go and see in the second half. Yeah, two films you should definitely uh, buy on iTunes or something in the second half. And I hope you enjoyed the show. Next fortnight we'll be reviewing more Hidden Gems. Maybe a Marmite film as well. Yeah, maybe a Marmite. Uh, some new releases. Some new releases. No, same old stuff. But still... <laughs> Exciting and fresh. and Yeah. All that stuff. Well, guys, um, remember to subscribe so you don't have to uh, keep looking it up. You just download it on your phone straight away. And find us on Twitter because uh, our page is hilarious. Yeah, it's really funny. Well, funny, yeah, you listen to this one, we're hilarious. You should see what you we do. You should see what happens on Twitter on a daily basis. With the written word. <laughs> All right, cheers, guys. Thanks.